the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rockin' and rolling back. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today. News Talk 710-KNUS. Hundreds of flights were grounded nationwide after the Federal Aviation Administration had a computer outage with its Notice to Air Missions system which alerts pilots and other personnel about airborne issues and other delays at airports across the country. Wall Street Journal giving us an update. The FAA has lifted its grounding order on domestic departures after an outage of a system that alerts pilots and crew, advise, uh, and crew to advisories and information prompted it to halt flights. It seems like a pretty important piece of our air transportation infrastructure. President Biden called for an investigation into the causes of the outage, according to Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary in a tweet. And passengers on social media reported delays citing the outage. Airline stocks fell in pre-market trading. And so now you have the opening of flights, but hundreds or a lot of flights were canceled Let's see. We had that here. I don't know. Hundreds of flights. Okay, yeah. The failure has so far resulted in some 400 canceled flights across the U.S., according to Flight Aware and this via Fox Business. So, yeah, it ain't good. Um, United, by the way, said it would be grounding all of its flights until 10 a.m. Eastern Time, so until 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Good luck to anybody who is planning on traveling domestically or who is on their way back to Colorado or wherever. I wish you well. But this ain't a good look for the Biden administration in any way, shape, or form, especially after the chaos that has already been endured by passengers of Southwest and other airlines. I mean, it's ineptness of government that is most likely, we were talking about this earlier in the show, that is most likely responsible for what we are seeing now at this moment with these outages. Not a cyber attack. Now, both would be bad for different reasons, but there's something notably bad about this being a failure of government to do its basic job. And also another failure of Pete Buttigieg. I mean, the guy comes in as a former presidential candidate, really being the only credentially brought because being mayor of South Bend, Indiana, nothing against being mayor of a small town. You got to do it. You got to have people who do it, rather. And kudos to him for doing that, although there are issues that people have brought up about his tenure and so forth. But fair enough. 
He's a small town mayor. Good stuff. Good for him. Doesn't qualify you to be president, I would say. And so he didn't become president, but he was given this little job at the Department of Transportation and Buttigieg screws it up. I mean, we know about the shipping issues, the airline issues, the railroad issues. Yeah, they got Congress to pass a bill that dodged a big railroad strike, but it didn't look good for a long time. It went on festered a lot longer than it should have. The list goes on that shows Pete Buttigieg can't even handle the Department of Transportation. Well, therefore, of course, he should not be president of the United States ever moving ahead. I mean, that's probably a given to this entire audience, but we're just about the entire audience. We have some liberals who listen to the program. We appreciate that. But it is uh, very likely that we all presume, oh, he shouldn't be. We've concluded that already. But this really just helps to put a pin in that point. Once again, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on News Talk 710 KNUS 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you want to join into the festivities, you can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app. So yesterday, Joe Biden, we were talking about this with Josh Hammer, Newsweek opinion editor in the last hour. Biden came out and provided his excuses for classified documents showing up at his so-called think tank at the University of Pennsylvania. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon, and uh, there will be more detail at that time huh so that's what his justification is a little couple of little excerpts from biden do you buy it what does this mean politically for former president trump at this point given the the fact that now we have classified documents show up at a university because of biden's tenure as vice president What does that do to the politics of the investigation of Trump, to the legal issues there, the case going on there regarding Mar-a-Lago, etc.? What about the aspect of this where, look, I mean, when you have a, a, a current president of the United States, former vice president, who has a chief political opponent in Donald Trump, who may be on a debate stage with Donald Trump, And one of the big arguments from the Democrats has been, well, look at these classified documents, so on and so forth, the mishandling of that, it was irresponsible. And then, lo and behold, Biden has documents show up at the university randomly. I mean, what about that? How how does that help Biden? No, it, it really does not. It's quite the opposite. It certainly complicates the legal matters a good bit, but also the media. What do you make of the media? We now know affirmatively, that they knew within some 10 days of the election. That's when this showed up, the midterm elections. And yet we're just finding out about it now a couple of months, like two and a half months later. Now, over at Real Clear Politics, Philip Wegman had a point to make about... And I think it was a really interesting 
uh, observation here about Biden's claims that, well, you know, he didn't know what was in the document. So don't really hold that against well, him. Well, the answer that he gave there is going to set alarm bells off for Republicans because it's internally incongruent. You have the president of the United States saying that he does not know what is in these documents. And he didn't elaborate on how they made it into his private study, uh, whether or not they included information about methods or sources. And that dog is not going to hunt for a House GOP that wants to take a bite out of this administration. They're going to be asking a number of the questions that Guy alluded to a moment ago. Uh, and chief among them, I think, is going to be how many more documents are floating out and around there in Biden world. Uh, and then, of course, you do have the question of whether or not the uh, Department of Justice handles these issues uh, in two separate ways. Certainly, there's differences. According to the official story, the Biden lawyers turned them over uh, almost immediately to National Archives. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be an embarrassment for the current president, because if he finds himself opposite Donald Trump on a debate stage, he's not going to be able to slam him like he has previously when it comes to taking documents to Mar-a-Lago. It takes some of the wind out of the sails of that argument. At least... A little bit of the wind out of the sails, and that could make all the difference. So November 8th was the midterm elections. November 2nd, so that was six days before, is when the papers were found, and then within 24 hours they were turned in. Listener text coming in. So these documents were found in November. Why are we hearing about this now? Why the delay? That is a good question. And in a lot of respects, that is the question, at least insofar as the media is concerned. Why are we finding out about this after the election? Not dissimilar from the Hunter Biden story in 2020. Yes, that story got out there before the election, but the FBI had wind of it beforehand and at least appears to have, based on the Twitter files, appears to have tried to run interference on that particular story, preempting it by telling Twitter, Facebook, other social media platforms, beware of Russian information involving Hunter Biden, etc. And lo and behold... The New York Post comes out with their story, and then it gets suppressed online and so forth. And the media refuses to cover it. There are at least some shades of the Hunter Biden story here. And to me, this is a complete indictment of the media in that regard. Yet another instance of that. Let's go to some more listener texts here. Good morning. I honestly don't think anything is going to happen to Biden because he's a Democrat. This is going to get swept under the carpet. Everything else he's been caught with his hands in or the Democrats have been caught in with their hands. And if he was a Republican, had already been prosecuted. Have a great day. Yeah, I mean, look at this reality here. The reality is there does seem to be a double standard. There does seem to be at least to some extent a use of the FBI and uh, other agencies against conservatives and Republicans. But here's. Here's the thing. I mean, at least we now have a Republican House that is investigating these matters. We will have a church-style committee looking into what's going on with social media and so forth. They are taking these steps. They are looking, looking into it. And I am encouraged to see that. And it's a big Selling point, it's a big staple piece of the Republican Party's agenda.
with its new majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. So when we look at this, I think it's an important piece. And it's important to talk about the media aspect of it, which is why I just get a real kick out of Joy Behar of The View. What you just said is yeah. right, that, yeah. that there are differences in what happens. Yes, but you know, not, everybody, so not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know? <laughs> we know that. So it's not that big a jump to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's partly what's going on. But what I think also is going on, no matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. You think they're not going to spin this that is just as bad as Trump? And so the, the lie gets out there. People believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron, Byron Donalds. Mm. I saw him also. He was at the, uh, the fight on the floor, too, yeah. wasn't he? He was nominated for speaker a number of people by two people. Yeah. He's the, uh, the new darling. One of the 15 rounds. I'm just saying is that the party. lying has been so invasive, mm-hmm. so ubiquitous mm-hmm. that no one will believe the truth anymore, and that that you can put that at the at the feet of Donald Trump, who started the lying. So, look, uh, I will be. Uh, I will never be a person to claim that uh, Donald Trump is a particularly honest politician, but. The idea that Joe Biden ain't a liar and that Donald Trump started the lying as president of the United States is just absolutely absurd. Like on its face, that was just a joke. I literally, it just has me smirking all throughout listening to that clip. Now, there are some very important distinctions, very important distinctions, of course, in fairness, between the Biden story and the Trump story. In terms of Mar-a-Lago, Trump turned over some documents, cooperated to some extent, but held on to a heck of a lot. And it took subpoenas and the FBI showing up in order to get those documents back in the custody of the National Archives, as opposed to Biden's folks turning it over within 24 hours of discovering it. So that that on the one hand is an important distinction in terms of the facts of the story. But when you talk about the politics of this and the political implications, here's the question. Does this help President Trump either in his run for president and or in terms of couching what Biden is doing? or Biden's administration is doing going after him as something that is more politically motivated. Politically motivated. I think it absolutely does make it more tenuous and more difficult for Biden. Of course, they could come back and they could say, well, let's look at some of the differences and the facts here and what the issues really are vis-a-vis Mar-a-Lago and so forth. One story involves uh, subpoenas and the FBI showing up. The other story involves 24 hours returning those documents. But is that all there is to it? Look at the University of Pennsylvania. What was going on there? What was Biden's association with University of Pennsylvania, looking at a fact check from PolitiFact, Biden served as Benjamin Franklin pre- presidential professor 
of the practice at the University of Pennsylvania between his tenure as vice president and the start of his presidential campaign. However, the duration of his position was closer to two years than four since he was on leave while running for president. Also, his duties might not conform to the full range of activities that the public might associate with the term full professor, including teaching semester-long classes, conducting independent research, and handling administrative responsibilities. So yesterday we heard him talk about how he was a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, PolitiFact even rates that half true. When you think of professor, you think of things that are beyond what Biden was actually doing for two of the four years that he was no longer in public office. Remember, he's been in public office since he was like 29. Well, he was elected to the United States Senate at 29, sworn in when he was barely old enough, barely 30 years old. And then he's only had four years where he wasn't in public office and was basically in between jobs since he ended up becoming president. But I digress. Point is, he was at some center at the University of Pennsylvania in some professor capacity and had his think tank of sorts at the University of Pennsylvania. And he leaves office, or he leaves there two years gallivanting around the country as presidential candidate. And he gets into the presidency. And two years into his presidency, those documents are suddenly uncovered. What are the circumstances of those being found? How many other documents are there actually that were classified? What are the circumstances there? I mean, yes, in terms of cooperation, there's a difference in what they did in the timelines. But when you get down to the brass tacks of classified documents being found randomly, that is not a small detail, especially when it comes to the politics. And here's Biden, 2021. you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen how one anyone could be that irresponsible and i thought what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods by that i mean names of people who helped or etc and it's just uh, totally irresponsible clarification by the way I, i've been saying 2021 uh, somehow i forgot that this year's 2023 that was 2022 so that was last year from biden hmm was he irresponsible in any capacity here for documents that are uncla- that are classified to randomly show up at a university? Let's go to Don in Colorado Springs. Don, you're on with Jimmy and for George. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jimmy. Well, of course, right now, what I'm seeing as far as Biden and Trump, it's, it's going to be a race to the bottom. And whoever hits the bottom most might lose out. Who knows? Maybe Biden gets another term or someone or the democratic party or you know maybe people will see me you know what this trump guy is you know he may be obnoxious and all that but we've done so much better under him maybe he can recover some of this and of course joy behart is proving that she's not an ideologue but she is a downright partisan i mean i read somewhere that you know you can reason with an ideologue you can't reason with a partisan and I think we need to start using the term partisan for uh, 
some of us in our in our tribe as well as their tribe. And yeah, that's an interesting observation. You can't reason with a partisan, but you can reason with an ideologue. I think there's a lot of. Tri- I haven't heard that one before, Don. I, I, I think forget, there's. I forget, I, I forget who says that, but I read that someplace. I think there's a lot of truth in that because there are ideological leftists who I can have really good, interesting conversations They're with. Partisan leftists. But a Democrat who is purely partisan and their their Democrat label precedes the ideological label. They're always yeah. going to be trying to find some sort of a justification. And you're right. It happens in our tribe as well. We constantly see that with an unwillingness to criticize certain Republicans for certain things. And I think that's uh, valuable to point out. Don, and very that, interesting. And, that, and, and, and before I let you go, I mean, I, first of all, I apologize for interrupting you earlier because you did make the point as I interrupted and I in an agreement. But uh, th- this was also why we had that fight last week over the speakership. Now, I agree with you that uh, McCarthy was going to get it because nobody else wanted it, and maybe they should have stepped up. And if you don't step up, just give Kevin what they wanted. But at least as, if the fight is to get some uh, compromises and some things to hold them to the fire, then mission accomplished. You have a good you have a good week. Uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler today. We'll pick up the conversation on the other side. I got a question asking, what is church style referring to the commission that they are forming in the U.S. House of Representatives looking into the big tech issues and all of those things? I'll get to that answer coming up on the other side. Plus, what did we learn? yesterday regarding funding of Biden's think tank at the University of Pennsylvania. We'll get to that and what the Washington Free Beacon reported coming up on the other side as well. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, 303-696-1971. Does it matter politically what happened with Biden and these These classified documents that have been uncovered, given the differences between the Trump story and the Biden story, I think it absolutely matters. How about you? 303-696-1971. You're listening to Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Thirty-two minutes after the hour, which means it is twenty-eight minutes from the top of the hour. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. News Talk seven ten KNUS. Let's go to a little flashback to two thousand and eighteen. Joe Biden. In twenty eighteen, Joe Biden addressed his access to classified information in an interview with me. This was in the context of Russia's interference in U.S. elections, and it was in that office the Penn Biden Center. I don't have access to classified information anymore. I don't get briefed every morning by the agency, as I did for eight years. Hmm. Well, somehow, classified documents turned up at the University of Pennsylvania. And look, among the differences between the Mar-a-Lago situation with Trump and the Biden situation is, and we do know We at least know. Yeah, it was like pulling teeth beyond that. They needed to get subpoenas, go to court, get the FBI to go in and get documents from Mar-a-Lago. An important distinction in fairness. 
as far as the overall facts of the case and whatnot. But when you're talking about classified documents that randomly show up and we have no idea how they ended up at the University of Pennsylvania, why they ended up at the University of Pennsylvania in this uh, Biden Center, that's a big deal. We know how they got to Mar-a-Lago with President Trump, but how in the world did they get there with Joe Biden? That is not a small thing, especially when if the concern over classified documents, rightly so, is principally, hey, we have risks to classified documents being accessed by people that shouldn't have access to them. And then lo and behold, you randomly have classified documents show up. University of Pennsylvania, that's not a small matter. Well, Biden tried to downplay it yesterday. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've. My lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon. And uh, there'll be more detail at that time. So let's talk a little bit about this University of Pennsylvania Penn Biden Center where Biden was nominally a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, but not really. He didn't teach any semester-long classes or conduct independent research or handle administrative responsibilities, as PolitiFact points out. And he really was there for two years formally and paid, whereas the second two years he was running for president, so he was on unpaid leave. Well, the Washington Free Beacon exposed a little bit about the Penn Biden Center's apparent contributions that came in from Chinese sources. Free Beacon reporting that a watchdog group is calling for the university to disclose whether any of the foreign donations it was given were channeled into the think tank. The calls from the National League and Policy Center come amid reports that the Department of Justice is investigating how Biden's classified documents ended up at the Institute and could revive congressional probes into national security risks posed by the Penn-Biden Center, the Policy Institute launched by Biden and the University of Pennsylvania in 2017. That would be after he was vice president. Here's the key part. Foreign donations to the University of Pennsylvania more than tripled in the two years after the think tank opened, with most of the $61 million coming from China, the Washington Free Beacon reported in 2021. Republican lawmakers and foreign policy officials have warned about the Chinese government's influence buying operations on college campuses, while the Department of Justice has been cracking down on Chinese espionage at American universities. And one tidbit that I think is important to understand is 100 percent. This is according to Stephen McCarthy, spokesman for the University of Pennsylvania. 100% of the budget for the Penn-Biden Center comes from university funds. So it is not unreasonable to ask the question, okay, the university gets $61 million since the think tank opened, much of which, most, according to the Free Beacon, has come from China. 
it is not unreasonable to ask how much of that money that came in from China went to the Penn Biden Center if the Penn Biden Center is specifically funded 100 percent through the University of Pennsylvania. That's not a small matter. It is a legitimate question to ask, especially given the malfeasance of China. And then it certainly at least raises the air of, okay, well, then you got these 10 classified documents that show up at the University of Pennsylvania's Penn Biden Center, and you have possible Chinese connections. It at least raises the air of of questions. And I think it's legitimate to raise those questions. That may not mean anything. It may not mean anything. You, there may be no Chinese money that's actually going into the Biden Center, but there may be. It, it. These are questions that are raised and ones that are worthy of exploring given how big of an adversary China is, especially right now. Now, I got a question earlier when I mentioned that there's a church-style commission that is being formed in the U.S. House of Representatives to look into different issues regarding the use of social media and other platforms from the FBI, DOJ, etc. to use social media platforms and so forth to, to go after conservatives and what have you. What some are saying is expose the deep state corruption that has been purportedly going on. Well, what is a church-style committee? Here's, as described accurately from Wikipedia, the church committee was a U.S. Senate select committee in 1975 that investigated abuses by the Central Intelligence Agency, National Security Agency, Federal Bureau of Investigation, and Internal Revenue Service. Chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church, the committee was part of a series of investigations into intelligence abuses in 1975, dubbed the Year of Intelligence, including its House counterpart, the Pike Committee, and the Presidential Rockefeller Commission. The committee's efforts led to the establishment of the permanent U.S. Select Committee on Intelligence. So what this is is forming a, a select committee, which is a temporary committee that is set, for, set up for a special function. That's beyond one of the standing committees. You got the House Appropriations Committee, you got the Armed Services Committee, you've got the Intelligence Committee. Those are standing committees that are always in place, set up for particular purposes. And they will always be there for those particular purposes, but very broad. A select committee is set up for a more narrow purpose. And it brings together certain types of power and authority. And like the church committee, and this is church style, they would be looking into a variety of different government agencies. At least that's what I understand to be the intent. Looking into the FBI, the DAOJ, DHS, etc. These various government agencies that are that stand accused... And the Twitter files have borne some of this out of using social media and other means of going after, going after Republican and conservative voices. So that is, in essence, what a church-style committee is about, what it would be intended, how it comes to being 
church style, not simply a select committee. And that goes to what are the goals? What are the intents? And how do they plan on approaching it? I hope that is helpful as far as a little bit of an explanation. But these issues are deeply concerning enough to raise questions and to cast an aura about Biden of, well, maybe he's not so innocent himself when it comes to classified documents. And again, randomly showing up, the University of Pennsylvania ain't a good look for a president of the United States, former vice president. We got to run into a break, but what are your thoughts? 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you want to join in to the festivities. Keep the texts coming as well. We'll pick up the conversation with more on the other side. Jimmy in for George right here on Denver's Local Talk Leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. You can't always get what you want, but you can indeed try sometimes. Jimmy Singenberger in for George Brockler News Talk 710-KNUS. But you know what you always want? Great financial advice. That's why it is that time of the morning on a Wednesday where we check in with our friends at Alpine Planning Group. And we've got Brian Gray with us this morning. Good morning, Brian. How the heck are you? Hey, good morning, Jimmy. How you doing? I'm doing well. So what are we looking at today, sir? We have got green numbers all the way across the board so far. We're taking a look. The uh, S&P is up about 25 points right now. Dow Jones up almost 150, and the Nasdaq's up about 79. You know, Jimmy, as we <clears> – <throat> excuse me, losing my voice here – you know, as we uh, go into this new year, one of the big questions that we've been getting quite a bit is, should we still be in the market or should we be on the sidelines? And we came across some statistics yesterday. If you go all the way back to 19, uh, 1926, the market has only been negative 25 times. So that means three-quarters of the time we've had positive markets. So the the answer to the question is yes, we feel like you need to be invested in the market, but you got to make sure that your allocations are set up so that you can hit your goals and you can hit your needs for retirement and you're not taking too many risks that uh, you don't need to be taking. So we expect the first six months to be kind of a little bit choppy. Um, after that, we're hoping that things are going to level out a little bit, but the first six months, you know, will be up and down, and we're seeing that the first couple weeks of the new year, where we'll be positive one day and then negative the next day. But if you take a look at history, history says you should be in the market, you should have a good uh, allocation in place in your portfolio. And if you're needing to get that second opinion or if you want somebody to 
kind of take a peek over your shoulder, give us a call at Alpine Planning Group. We'd love to sit down and talk with you. Absolutely. Alpine Planning Group is a comprehensive financial planning firm committed to improving your long-term financial success. Investing is a matter of trust, and they are prepared to earn yours. Call them today at 303-843-0918. That's 303-843-0918. Brian, great to talk with you today. I know we'll check in with you again on Friday. Happy New Year and have a great one. Hey, you too, Jimmy. Good talking to you. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC and registered investment advisor. Alpine Planning Group and Woodbury Financial Services, Inc. are not affiliated entities. 14 West Dry Creek Circle, Littleton, Colorado, 80120. Again, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockley. I want to talk for a moment about the nature of talk radio. Because, like, I've been doing this since I was in, in college as a freshman in 2008. I've been a fill-in host or my own show on KNUS since May of 2011. And I have really learned about the beauty of talk radio being in the intimate nature of the conversation. You can text into the show nowadays. In the past few years, texts have really become incorporated into radio stations everywhere including right here on KNUS. Go to 710KNUS app and shoot a text message. Join the conversation. We get some interesting texts. But an even more intimate and even more preferred way to engage in the discussion is by calling in 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. Because that really has a chance to give people a full opportunity to hear what you have to say sometimes it can get testy sometimes it can be a quick back and forth sometimes you don't have much time sometimes we will find resounding agreement sometimes we'll be very much in disagreement that's the nature of things but at least you have the opportunity to call in and i've been texting back and forth with one liberal listener and look we probably disagree on just about everything or most things. Or you might be surprised how much we might agree on certain things. Who knows? But we do have a segment of our audience that is liberal or Democrat or left-leaning and may generally disagree. And I, I always enjoy that. I find it interesting when that's the case. And you know what? Quite frankly, I listen to leftist YouTube shows all the time. The one called The Majority Report is when I listen to videos of it every single day. I find listening to, and I don't mean MSNBC, CNN liberals. I mean progressive leftists. The Young Turks, David Pakman, and others. It's much more interesting to me to listen to what they have to say on YouTube frankly, than it is to listen to conservatives, because I know a lot of what they're going to say in their perspectives. But the left, it's it's interesting to me and it helps strengthen, I believe, my arguments. So I've been going back and forth, listener making some decent points regarding the Mar-a-Lago stuff, Trump versus Biden and so forth. And then I say, call in and argue the point. And the listener noted, don't like the spin you provide. Well, fair enough. Except that's why you can call. That's the right opportunity, the ripe opportunity to call in and engage in the discussion. Because if you don't like what we are saying, you can argue. And Lord knows there are conservative listeners who call in and argue with me and George and everybody here. 
because we have disagreements. You know, I've been from since November 2020, I've been trying to be very forthright, honest and clear on election stuff and what's really gone on and how there's no truth to the narrative that the elections were stolen. And I've argued tooth and nail with listeners for years about that. And so there is a lot of value in this. There's an expression here from a listener as well that your goal as a host is to humiliate me. Now, my style certainly is not that. Are there some hosts who want to do that? Perhaps. But the goal here, certainly for me, is to have and maintain during the show a large audience and have engaging conversations. I like to say, for me, it's engaging, intelligent talk, saying style. That back and forth is valuable. Just a couple weeks ago, I had on a good friend of mine who's a professor at Regis University, who's a leftist, who's a really good friend of mine. I've had other Democrats and liberals on my show and, and when I filled in over the past several months, going back really years, quite frankly. I think listeners who text in, who call in, you generally make good points whether we agree or not. The listener I've been texting with has made some good points and surely represents a segment of the audience that doesn't really get representation here on KNUS, except for when we do bring on Democrats, because we are a conservative station. But I appreciate you listening. I appreciate our audience. I appreciate the readers to my columns that are growing in numbers who are Democrats and on the left. If you are a liberal, you are a progressive, you are a leftist, you are a conservative who just can't get around my criticisms of Trump here and there on the elections or what have you, you are invited to call in and engage in the conversation because there's value in that. And it's good for our conservative audience to hear your perspective and at least have to consider it a little bit, even for just a moment. So call in 303-696-1971. We've got an open hour. We'll talk about immigration and Biden's trip down to Mexico and more coming up. Plus, Michael Fields on the legislative session in the nine o'clock hour. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 